join us as we start this brand new series. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 is the second book in the Bible. So go all the way to the beginning. You have Genesis and Exodus. If you, by any chance, if you did not bring a Bible, never fear. Most of the verses will be on the screen, but we would love for you to follow along. Um, so you can download. There's a free app. It's called Version. And so I really want to encourage you to download that app, and that way you can follow along. Most of the verses will be on the screen, but there's a few that will not, and so that's a great way to just kind of follow along. So Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, that's where we're going to begin. And so today and for the next six weeks, we're going to study the life of Moses, the man, the prince, the shepherd, the outcast. He played all those roles. The leader... Uh, also the man who like he kills someone so like that's something that like a lot of times I say that you know we think of the word uh, of the name Mo- Moses and we think man spiritual giant wrote the first five books of the Bible but he was also an outcast and he also took a man's life and we'll look at that uh, in a little bit and still God used him and I love how God chooses to use imperfect people And so Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, we're looking at Moses, the man who delivered the Hebrew people out of the hands of the Egyptians, the one who, um, you know, he had an anger issue. And, um, and so we're going to look at that. He, he was reluctant to obey a, a lot of times. Again, this spiritual giant of the faith, when you look at his life, what you're going to see is that there was a lot of imperfections in, in his life. You know, One of the things that Leah and I love to do is we love to watch uh, miniseries and on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime, and especially when they're based on a true story. Not long ago, we watched this one, I think it's on, on the screen, called Manhunt, and uh, it's basically uh, about, um, actually it's the other one, if we can flip back, um, let's go to the, the one before that, there you go, uh, Manhunt, Daily Games. This one right here, it's about the, um, the attacks that happened in 1996. It was the Olympics in Atlanta. And, um, and, and so what, one of the things that I love about the series is that, like this one in particular, this one, Manhunt, it was um, one of the largest, most complex manhunts on U.S. soil. Okay? Then after that one, we jumped on this one right here on Ted Kaczynski, Uh, also known as the Unabomber, okay? And uh, I, love the, I love those, Lee and I love those, because they're not just about the event. Like most of the times when something happens, you know, somebody's blowing things up or whatever, you see it on the news. So you know the event, right? You know, generally speaking, what happens and whatnot. But what I love about this miniseries is that you get to see behind the scenes. You actually, they do like sort of an in-depth study analysis on the person that committed the horrible crimes. And you get to see what, I mean, how, how do these people think? What do they like? What do they dislike? Um, what motivated them? And so with this series, with this teaching series on Moses, it's going to be a little bit like that. We're not just going to look at the event. Like, we know, most of us, like if, you, if I say the name Moses, most of us, you've heard a little bit about Moses before, right? Raise your hand if you've heard about Moses. Give me a thumbs up online. Yeah, most of us, we're familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the guy that got used to deliver the Hebrew people when they were under the, the bondage of the Egyptians, you know, in, in search for their promised land. Like, we, we get that. With this series, we're going to look at the person. 
of Moses. Like the miniseries that Lee and I watched, we're going to look at what was it that he had to deal with as a leader, as a man, as an outcast. What are some of the challenges? We're going to do an in-depth analysis. We're going to dive deep into who Moses was. And so are you guys ready to get into God's Word? Give me a thumbs up. Awesome. Exodus 2, verse 2. Here it is. It says this. The woman became pregnant. This This is Moses' mom, okay? The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That's Moses. She saw that he was a special baby... Well, most moms think that their babies are special, right? So that's kind of a, like a given, right? She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. So let me give you a little bit of the story. Moses was born uh, at a time where basically the Hebrew people were under slavery, like the Egyptians, where like, they were controlling everything, okay? Pharaoh was the most powerful man uh, in the land, and he was oppressing the Hebrew people. I'll tell you why. The Hebrew people had grown like crazy in numbers, okay? And so the, the Egyptians, Pharaoh, he had this insecurity that if an opposing army would come and attack them, the Hebrews would join them and could overthrow the Egyptians. And so he's got this insecurity that he's dealing with, and he puts a, this order to get rid of all of the male newborn babies, throw them in the, into the Nile River, with the hope that they would not reproduce as quickly, that it would slow down their, their growth, okay? So Moses gets pregnant. I mean, Moses' mom gets pregnant, and now she's, she delivers him, and now she's having to hide him because she doesn't want to just give him up, okay? So she's doing all she can to save Moses. Now look in verse 3. But when she, watch this, put yourself in her place, when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch and put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Can you imagine how desperate this mom must have been? I, I cannot fathom. Like I, that, I've never had to do something to that, that extreme. I mean, that, that to, for her to take her little baby and put him and li, li, essentially release control. Verse 4. The baby sister then, it is interesting, the baby sister, Moses' sister, watch this, then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter, okay, who? Pharaoh's daughter, watch, it's going to be important in a minute. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. Verse 6. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. So Moses' sister comes to the princess, the Egyptian princess, right? Pharaoh's daughter. Says, should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked him. Yes, 
Dude, the princess replied, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, like, we need to take care of this baby. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. That's Moses' mom, okay? Now, I love this, okay? Don't miss it, okay? Watch verse 9. I, I love this, okay? Look at what the princess says to Moses' mom. Watch this. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, Moses' mom, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the baby, her baby, home and nursed him. Now, I love this. I love this. So Pharaoh, essentially, through the princess, right? Like, he is paying Moses' mom to take care of Moses. Basically, he's paying to take care of the baby that he wants to kill in the first place. And what I love what I love about this is it's God's sovereignty, how God takes care of us in ways which we cannot even imagine. Now, I kind of got ahead of myself there a little bit. We often, we often fear what we can't control. Have you ever thought about that? If there's something in your life that you fear right now, it's more than likely because you can't control it. Maybe the future Maybe your job situation could be health. I mean, you heard something from the doctors. They said it's this or it's that. And you're, maybe you, your kid is sick and you're Googling things and you don't know what it is. When there are things in your life you cannot control, usually there's fear. Like we, we freaked out, right? And that's what Moses' mommy is dealing with. Like, I can't control my baby. I have to give him up. I, I, you know, like, and, and we don't know. Like, we don't know the extent of how hard it was until she releases control. And when we release control, then God does his thing. And I love the fact that it's not until she releases and says, okay, Lord, it, he's in your hands, that God does his thing, and he's sending Pharaoh's daughter to the Nile, and she sees him, and she's like, oh, look, a little baby, and she's, you know, basically asking Moses' mom, would you take care of him? Would you nurse him? And that's the way God does things in your life. Sometimes in your life, God will do things that you don't quite understand and what's happening is he's taking care of you in a different kind of way in a unique kind of way in a way that you cannot imagine like if you had to put the plan together it wouldn't be like this and so that's just a little detour that's just a little side note okay freebie you don't have to pay for that one verse 10 here's the main portion of our verse today verse 10 all right we're talking about identity crisis, by the way. Moses had to deal, for the better part of his life, he had to deal with this identity crisis, and I'll explain what, what I mean by that, okay? But look in verse 10. Here's the main, main verse. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as their son. The princess named him Mo Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, if you study, like, like Moses, his Egyptian name actually means born out of. So like Moses, pretty much for all of his life, he felt like he was born out of place. He felt like he was born at the wrong time. He was born when all of the male newborn babies, like when they were all being killed. He was, he just, you know, he was born like he was a, born a Hebrew boy, like a little baby, but then he was raised by the Egyptians. He felt like he was, he just did not fit in. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I mean, I just don't fit in. And so we're talking about identity crisis. What, what is that? What is identity crisis? Well, identity crisis is, an identity crisis is when a person feels out of place. 
You know, like, like, I'm not really sure, like, what my purpose in life is. I don't know my place in this world. I don't know who I am, and I don't know what I'm about. I'm, I'm not really sure, like, God, what are you doing in my life? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my role in society? And often, these are not questions that are just asked by teenagers. Like, what, what are you going to be doing? What are you about? Like, like these are questions that, that we ask ourselves throughout life. I've known people in their 70s who are asking, like, Pastor Alex, I don't know, like, what I'm about. I don't know what my purpose is in life. And it's, they're great questions to ask, by the way. Usually, usually, we will ask the tough questions when something has happened. We're beginning a new relationship, and it's, it's getting serious, and it's like, man, I need to figure out what, this, what I'm about, like life, you know? Or when you end a relationship, you go through a divorce, you go through like a, you know, a partnership in a business and things are not working out, you gotta stop it. And you're like, all of a sudden, that's when you go through something like that's a difficult situation, a traumatic event. Uh, maybe you lose a loved one or maybe, or it could be the opposite. Like it could be not just losing something, it could be that you're gaining something. Maybe you're starting a new job. And you're trying to figure out yourself. Maybe you just had a child. And I've, I've talked to plenty of moms who feel like they're lost after, like, a few months after they've had a baby. And they're dealing with this whole idea of, like, man, who am I as a human being? Maybe sometimes it happens when you move. So it happens basically not just when you're young. It happens throughout life. You ask yourself, who am I? Now, I want you for a, mo a moment, just put yourself in Moses' shoes for just, just a moment. Born into, like, a, he was born in, like, these two worlds, right? A Hebrew boy, his mom is, she's forced to give him up. Then the princess, the Egyptian princess, finds him, rescues him, and then what does she do? She says, take care of him for a little while, okay? So, so he, he goes from, from being born a Hebrew boy to being rescued by an Egyptian princess to going back and being fed by his mom. And then he goes back again. And I was telling my wife this, this morning or yesterday, I can't remember when, like Moses' mom had to give him up twice, twice. She had to, it wasn't just when he was born that she had to give him up. It was later after she had spent time with him. And as a mom, I, I mean, not as a mom, but I'm not a mom, but, you know, I cannot, I cannot imagine how a mom would feel of having to release control. But it's only when we do that that God does his thing. And so Moses, for the longest time, he lived in limbo. In fact, Later, in a, in a minute, you're going to see Moses runs away. He runs into the desert, and then God calls him to go back. So he's like limbo from one place to the next. Look in verse 11. When God asked him to rescue his people, this is the question that, chapter 3, verse 11, that Moses asked, who am I? God says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing you to rescue my people. And Moses, of all the things he could have said, the question that he asked is, what? Who am I? I don't know who I am. I'm totally lost. I don't understand my identity. I don't know what my purpose is. And God is telling him. He's spelling it out. Here's your purpose. This is why you were created. This is what. And he's like, he's still, first question he asks is, who am I, Lord? Who am I? Hebrew boy adopted and trained by the Egyptians. You and I see the story and we jump to the end. But Moses is in the middle of it and he's struggling with it. I'm sure he's asking questions like, am I a Hebrew or am I an Egyptian? 
Do I, do I give my loyalty to my ancestors and my descendants? Do I follow the God of the Hebrew people? Or do I give my, you know, am I an Egyptian? Do I follow the values and the beliefs of the people that raised me and rescued me from the Nile River? Like, which one is it? And through it all, God's going to teach Moses three lessons. And I believe that God's teaching us three lessons as well. It's not just like we're not just talking about Moses. We're talking about you. I'm going to give them to you, all three of them, because you're going to, when we read, we're going to read a little bit more. You're going to see them jumping out of the page, okay? So three lessons that God gives Moses. The first one is this. First thing that he wants Moses to learn is, I am not what I do. I am not what I do. Okay, let's all say that together in unison on the count of three. Ready? We'll all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. I am not what I do. Do you know that? You're not what you do. Here's the second lesson that God's going to teach Moses. I am not what I have. Being an Egyptian or being raised by Egyptians, there's a lot of earthly possessions that he had. And one of the things, and you're going to see it in the passage, that God's going to teach Moses is you're not what you have. I am not what I have. Can we say it again? You guys are doing great. Let's all say it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I am not what I have. You're not what you have. The car you drive, the house you live in, all of the things that God's provided for you, you're not that person. You're not what you do. You're not what you have. And here's a lesson. The third lesson that he gives him is this. I am not what people say about me. I am not what people say about me. Let's say it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. I am not what people say about me. You're going to see it. Look in verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. So he knows these are his people, and he's going out to see them, right? And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. Verse 12, after looking in all directions to make sure nobody's watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Like, remember, he's lost. He doesn't. Now, God's going to raise him up. God's going to use him to deliver the people. But right now, he's doing things the best way he can. Like, if you look at his heart, if you can kind of read through just the, the verses and kind of try to get into who he is and who is this man, like, you can see that there is a little bit of, like, he's got a, like, he does not like injustice. And, you, and you'll see it later as well. Like, there is something in Moses' heart that God's put in there, like where he see, when he sees people not being treated fairly, like there's something that just rises up in him. Now, he's, taking, he's thinking he's doing a good thing, but he's really not. He's taking matters into his own hand, and he's rushing things, and so he kills this Egyptian and watch what happens. So Moses killed the Egyptian and hit the body in the sand. Verse 13, the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he's thinking everything's good. He thinks, like, yeah, I handle, handle the situation perfectly. So the very next day, he's going back to see them again. So the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men. So this time it's two Hebrew men fighting. He says, like, why are you beating up your friend? It doesn't make sense, right? Moses said, like, are you, like, out of your mind? Why are you beating each other up? 
Moses said to the one who had started the fight. And watch this, verse 14. The man replied, the Hebrew man replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Now watch this. Then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. Moses goes into panic mode. Like all alarms are going off. He's thinking, man, like this is, this is like I got to run. I got If you read the next verse, it's not on the screen. But like he takes off and he's afraid for his life. And he's like the whole world is collapsing. This is what happens to all of us when we believe I am or we are what I, I am what I do. I, when I believe I am what I do. This is what happens when I believe I am what I have. This is what happens when I believe I am what people say. I am. Does that make sense? Like this is exactly what happens in your life when you really believe, like if I can get to the next level and if I can get that thing or if I can do that thing, that's who I am. And that's, it's like your identity and you kind of wrap your identity around this thing. And the problem is that when things don't go your way, then you kind of lose control and you kind of lose yourself. When you, when you believe that you are what you have and you lose that thing that you have wrapped your identity around, then kind of like you, you're like Moses and you, you hit the ground running. In verse 15, again, not on the screen, but in verse 15, you see that he just takes off. Takes off. Now, I thought that Moses was running maybe like a couple of miles, two, three miles. I thought like that was, that was it. He runs. I mean, let me show you how far he goes. Look, at, look, look on, the map, on this map. He goes from Egypt, far left, all the way to Median, far right, that, I measured it earlier, it is over 200 miles. Okay, like one, like a single marathon is 26 miles, okay? Like, I, I'm not, like I love running. I'm not used to running like on sand, like in the desert, you know? I cannot imagine like running like at the beach, you know? Like I've done it a couple times, but definitely not over 200 miles. So what's going on with Moses. He's lost. He's been between two worlds. He doesn't know who he is. He wants to run as far as he can away from his failure, away from his mistakes. He wants to start over. Have you ever been there? Have you ever wanted to get like a, like a, a reset on life? I know that I've been there. You know, we were putting, I was putting this um, water heater tank at our house, and it has a little red button that says reset. Have you ever wanted to hit the, the little red button in your life and say, man, God, I've just, I made some mistakes. I've blown it. I've done some things I'm not proud of. And like, God, I just want to start over. Can I just, just a new chapter, God. I've been there before. That's what Moses is doing. He's running from everything. He's running from his past. He's, he does not want to be reminded of his failure. And he goes. And he runs, runs, runs. I'm no longer a Hebrew. They don't accept, accept me. Uh, I'm no longer an Egyptian. They want to kill me. Pharaoh was after him. Verse 15, Pharaoh was coming after him. I'm going to escape. I don't know anything about my future. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to run. Here's what I find fascinating in all of this. Whenever you run, God is still present. 
I love this because Moses ran for miles. God was already there. He was waiting on Moses. Now, I'm not going to read the whole passage because for sake of time, but you get to verse 22. And this is a really cool thing. Moses runs. He's escaping, right, from his failures and all that. And he gets to this place in Midian. And God's there waiting for him. And God's going to provide for Moses a family. A family that's going to love him, that's going to take him in and accept him. God's going to provide a wife. God's going to provide actually a son for him. Look at it in verse 22. So I'm jumping all the way to 22 because of time. I want to get to that. There's something here that I want to get to real quick. Later, she gave birth to a son. This is actually Moses' wife, okay? So he runs, makes it all the way to the desert. God's there already waiting for him, provides him a family, provides him a, a wife. She gets pregnant. God provides him a son, and it says this. Later, she, Moses' wife, gave birth to a son, verse 22. And Moses, watch this, named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. So you can, if you look at this, you can still see that he's struggling. He doesn't know his place in this, in this world. In this, like he didn't have a home in Egypt. He didn't have a home with his Hebrew people. Now he's got this family that has accepted him and loved him. But he's still, he's still feeling out of place. He just doesn't know. He's, he's, like, he just doesn't fit in. And you can see it by the way he, how he named his first son. He names him Gershom, He's, the Bible says. For I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. That's what that name means. And the beauty of it all is that God, when you feel hopeless, He understands. And He's very present in your life, even when you can't see Him. And when you run, He's already there. He's beat you to it. And He's waiting on you. And even though Moses ran, God still had a plan. And here's why. Here's why. Don't miss this, okay? We're going to wrap it up here in a minute. The first 40 years of Moses' life, God taught him who he was not. He taught him, I am not what I have. I am not what I do. I am not what people say about me. But the next 40 years, God's actually going to teach him who he actually was, who he is. And so I'm going to ask our worship team to get on stage. We're going to wrap it up with a couple more verses, and we'll be done. And I'll show you why I say this. First 40 years, God taught him who he was not. You're not what you do. You're not what you have. You're not what people say about you. Next 40 years, God's going to show him who he is. And this is how I know this. We're going to fast forward to Exodus 18, verse 3, okay? So hang in there with me. Exodus 18, verse 3, okay? So in Exodus chapter 2... Verse 22, we see that he has this son. We know it that way he names him. He's still struggling with finding his place. Years later, later, Exodus 18, verse 3, watch what happens. So Moses' first son was named Gershom. We already know that. We learned that in chapter 2. For Moses had said when the boy was born, I've been a foreigner in a foreign land. We got that. Yeah, we're good. We're, we're, we're tracking. Okay? Now watch verse 4. His second son was named Eliezer. For Moses has said, watch this, the God of my ancestors was my helper. He rescued me from the sword of Pharaoh. So let me kind of bring it home for you, okay? Moses, the first part 
of his journey, he asked, who am I? Who am I, Lord? And the, the, the second part of his desert journey, he asked a better question. And it was this, whose am I? The first part of, the, of his journey, he, he's asking, like uh, he's saying, I, I'm a stranger in a strange land. That's why he named his son. The second part, he understands who he is because he knows whose he is. Oh, I know I belong to my heavenly father. I'm not what I have. I'm not what I do. I'm not what people say about me. And then there is a shift in his heart and in his life. So much so that when he names his second son, it's night and day. And he says, I'm going to name my second son Eleazar because the God of my ancestors, he's my helper. He rescued me from the sword of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, for Moses, it does not matter if he's an Egyptian or if he's a Hebrew. It doesn't matter if he has plenty or he doesn't have enough. It doesn't matter if he's in Egypt or if he's in the desert. Because he's learned whose he is. The God of my ancestors has saved me. He's the one leading me. So let me bring it home. When we understand whose we are, we understand who we are. When you do that, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself in such a place for God to reveal your destiny. When it's not about you, and instead of asking, who am I, right? Like, Moses, had, at some point, he stopped. He couldn't go any longer. I mean, any, like, he just kept going and going until it's like, it's not, this is not working for me. And at some point, he realized, it's not about who I am. It's not about my plans. It's about you. God, you are my identity. God, you are my journey. God, it is you that I'm going to follow. And I took him a better part of his life to get there, right? But finally, I think he got it. And what I love about his story is that Moses had no clue of what hung in the balance of knowing whose you are. He had no idea how important that was. And neither do you. We go through life and we don't, I don't think we really understand how vital it is to our journey on this, our short years here on earth. Moses was trained by the Egyptians. He was trained in civil matters. Later, he had no idea, but later he was going to be leading two million people. You think that was practical? <laughs> but it was. He learned military matters. When they're going after the promised land, do you think that was practical? You better believe it. He was part of the 1% of all Egyptians who was taught to read and write. Do you think, like, when God entrusted him with the Ten Commandments, do you think that matter that Moses could now read and write? He wrote the first five books of the Bible. Do you think it mattered? We would not, be, we would not have been able to read what we just read. He had no idea how valuable... This lesson, whether it was in Egypt or in the desert, was for him. And so he has his second son, his son, and he says, okay, God, I get it. You, you are my identity. You are my journey. I'm going to follow you, whether it's 
in great conditions, whether I have plenty or whether I have nothing. Whether I have my career on track or where I'm, where, whether I'm off track because it's you that I'm after. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you the same question. In my prayer, my prayer, my prayer this week, man, man, I want you to get this, okay? Get this. My prayer this whole week has been, God, I hope they can see how strategic you are. God, that you're in the business of strategically positioning us in the right places at the right time. And we don't understand it. Like we go through the bumps and turns of life and we think that it's, a, it's like, oh, another obstacle that we have to face. But God, it is you. You are so sovereign. Look this way real quick. I, I want you to get this. Look this way real quick. Don't tune me out. Listen, God is in the business of moving his people around at the right places, at the right locations. And it's only when we release control that God does his thing. So do you, I mean, like put yourself in Moses' mom's position, right? Like she wants to take care of the baby. I get that. Like I would want to do the same thing. But it's only when she releases him that God does the miracle. And it's the same way in your life. It's only when you say, okay, God, I'm all in, that God says, okay. You know, he understands, she understands who he is. The God of the universe is for you. The commander of the universe. The baby was in better hands on that little basket than in Moses' hands. You understand? God can do a lot more when you release the baby than when you hold on to it. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, Lord, that is, the, that is the heartbeat of, that's the desire of our lives today, God. You, Lord, you and you alone are our identity, God. You are our journey, God. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts, God. May we follow you all of the days of our lives. God, when we face challenge after challenge, difficulty after difficulty, may we live knowing whose we are, God. Father, I pray we would take those invite cards on every chair, God, and share with other people and let them know, hey, listen, there's more to this life, and I'd love for you to invite you to our church and learn a little bit about this guy that we're talking about. God, may we, when we meet people, may we not be so consumed with ourselves that we think that, that just life is all about me and who I am. No, 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 Lord. May we realize that you, you're taking us to different locations at different times because we're your soldiers and you're moving us around so that others can know who you are. So God, I pray that you would use us, whether it's through a simple invite with an invite card or a prayer or offering a meal or a, just a word of encouragement. So God, we surrender. It doesn't really matter where we're from, what we've got going on. This is our short few years here on this earth. They're yours, God. We praise you for it, Lord. Use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.